Bam 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 Hello everyone. Did you enjoy that nice theme song? Are you feeling relaxed? You ready for a little weekly beef? Oh god. A little mini pot pie. A little tete a tete. <laughs> with me and Lisa Linky. That's Misty Stinnett. That's Lisa Linky. And we're here with Go Help Yourself, a comedy podcast to help life suck less. Yeah. To make life suck less. One of the two. You know the tagline. If not, who can care? The point is, we're two women in L.A. who like hanging out together, and one of us loves to read self-help books. It's me. And one of us don't. It's her. And so we get together and we review <laughs> popular self-help books. And then in between, on these little interstitial episodes, or yeah. as they're fondly referred to... The, the weekly, weekly beef. beef. Thank you. We totally renege on our promise. <laughs> That's right. And then we just do little check-ins and do some fun stuff. We read listener email, which you can send to us at gohelpyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. We maybe do some trivia. We talk about um, some thought-provoking some questions. Thought-provoking questions. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and I, I have some homework check-in from... You do. So uh, on the very last episode, full episode, uh, we reviewed... I'm Judging You, The Do Better Manual by Lovia Ajayi. Mm-hmm. And my homework for you was just to notice your privilege, just mm-hmm. to go throughout the week and see what came up for you. So, Lisa, what came up for you? So, I am a white, heterosexual, cisgender, able-bodied, financially secure, with a very good credit rating, postgraduate, educated, no student loans. I have health insurance and access to great health care. I'm a child of a two-parent household. I'm English-speaking. I'm a United States citizen, and I live in a state that has excellent social services. I own a car. I have owned property. I have pets, and I'm tall. That is such a humble brag. Well, let me say this. I have been privileged enough to yeah. attend like a um, sensitivity training, a gifting suite <laughs> and sensitivity <laughs> training. Um, yeah. So I'm aware of a lot of different kinds of privilege. And yeah. over the past couple of years, I've really been kind of cultivating my Instagram uh-huh. with some different um, thought uh, leaders and people and uh, to oh, help you, oh, me. you mean who you follow. Yeah, to really kind yeah. of help me become aware of um, the kinds of privilege that I am um, uh, benefiting from. Great. And um, it's really kind of opened my eyes. Yeah. And so uh, were there any situations this week where you were like, oh, I'm living a moment of privilege right now? I mean, I have to be honest. I think walking around the world mm-hmm. as a white citizen who doesn't have debt yeah. um, and who owns her own car. Like, I, I, every day that I move is right. kind of... A, I think for people who have privilege, it's only when we witness the absence of privilege that yeah. we kind of recognize it. Oh, yeah. Because it, it's invisible and it feels easy and natural. And Yeah. And, yeah. You know, like today I was, um, you and I were talking about, I had an interaction with a customer service person that wasn't the greatest. That's right. But, you know, I have privilege because I can, if I wanted to, I could make a big stink about it. Right. But, you know, somebody who maybe doesn't have um citizen status probably would never do that that's right you know um 
And when I turn on the TV or look around me in, in media, I see images of people who are my skin color, who talk and sound like I do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They don't always look like I do. I mean, that yeah. is not something – I do not have thin privilege, which is something that um, I am often aware of. Mm. So I think that – I think that becoming more aware of, like, the privilege that I don't have has really helped me uh, to become aware of the privilege that I do have. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Yeah. I I also was thinking about, um, I walked into a building uh, today and realized I didn't see any elevators around me and it was a two-story building and I realized like, oh, if I I were a person who worked in this building, would I just have to work on the first floor? Could I not go upstairs if I I didn't want – I mean, I think most buildings have to have elevators these days and be accessible, but – yeah, I've just been I've been noticing it a lot more in an active way because even though I I was aware of white privilege before we read that book or should I say I read that book and reviewed it and discussed it with you, um it is easy to forget and to slip out of that mindset yeah. if you are privileged. So I I've been really grateful for the reminder as well. Yeah. And just the awareness around me. And I mean that's not to say that when I was a young, when I was a young child, a snapper, um, that I was aware of privilege because we didn't talk about that. You know what I mean? I yeah, and, I didn't know about privilege until I I wasn't aware of my own privilege until I was in college. You know, and it only was when I had a friend maybe check my privilege every now and then that it helped me realize, oh yeah, I have benefited. And I I think yeah. for me, it's easier to think about privilege when I think about things I've benefited from. Does that yeah. make sense? Yes, it does. So yeah. I um. You know, and I I like to think about privilege in many, many different ways because I think that everybody has some level of privilege, right? Mm-hmm. Like, <clears throat> I grew up in a Big Ten town. And so that What's meant, a Big Ten town? So Big Ten universities are um, oh, yeah. land-grant yeah. universities, yeah. and there's actually 14 of them. But um, if you grow up in that town, it's typically a Midwestern town that has, like, a hometown feel, but you get a lot of exposure to arts and culture and oh, sports cool. and, you know what I mean, yeah. like a variety of— All the resources that a big university yeah. would kind of provide. Yeah. yeah. So somebody who also lived in East Central Illinois but didn't grow up in Champaign-Urbana like I did mm-hmm. didn't get that. So to me, that's a privilege. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, to have access to those sorts of resources. Yeah. yeah. So I grew up in a town where there were, you know, a lot of— um, upper middle class people who were employed by the university, and we had a wonderful park district because we had great, yeah. um, you know, uh, taxes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. so um, I really kind of take it to the extreme. And for me, it's easier to think about that because I really was able to benefit from that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So the same way that I benefited from growing up in a city that had beautiful park systems, yeah, um, and park districts, um, means that I also benefit from being white. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like for yeah. me, I see them as mm-hmm. not equivalent in terms of like, the, but, but to me, they're both privileges. Yeah. Well, and that you can walk through those parks yes. without a cop slowing <laughs> down and following you yes. because of your skin color. And yeah, they and obviously have things. different yeah. implications. Yeah, of course. But I really see like, you know, so somebody who, uh, for me, and I think a lot of people would view this differently, and I'm open to having conversations with people, but for me, I just think that there's lots of different kinds of privilege. Yeah. And so I think when we just kind of limit it to white privilege or, um, you know, uh, able-bodied privilege, we really kind of— Cisgendered. Yeah, yeah, cisgendered or heterosexual. I think we just kind of really limit it 
in my in my perspective. And I am by no means an authority on this. Yeah, well, those those feel like the really major ones yeah. that impact the majority of of people in huge ways. But I I think you're right. I think considering all of the ways in which we're privileged yeah. is, is that's something that like can be I grew really up helpful. in a house where I had two parents. That's a privilege. Yeah, and I I did not. Right. I come from not only did my parents get divorced. I was one when my parents got divorced, but then both of them remarried and got divorced again. Wow. And yeah. then both were in relationships again and fell out of those relationships yeah. a couple of times. So I, I come from like a perpetually single and, you know, yeah. kind of rocky relationship household. Yeah. Well, my parents split up when I was in college. So like I grew up like my formative years, they were together. <gasps> yeah, but then yeah, I also yeah. experienced divorce. Do you know what I mean? That's so like it's a different yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a different way of thinking about it. So it I is, don't know. Yeah. I just kind of I like to think about privilege as the things that I, I don't know. I just the thing that really stuck with me and really kind of solidified privilege for me was when I heard the expression that uh, privilege views equality as oppression. Yeah. And I loved that because we've all had that experience from time to time. Yeah. When we think, well, but if if everybody gets what I get, then I won't get it anymore. Yeah. And that's a very natural human reaction. But if you're having that reaction, you maybe you take a step privilege. back and go, oh, it's privilege. Yeah. Well, it's, it also reminds me of that study. And forgive me if we've said this uh, on the podcast before, but it's it, there was some study where men and women were equal numbers of men and women were put in a room. Mm-hmm. And when the, the women were speaking up only 20 percent of the time, the men rated them as having equal participation. And when the women were speaking exactly 50 percent of the time, the men rated them as having like dominating the conversation yeah. like crazy, which which is really interesting. Same thing. They did a yeah. study at the Supreme Court, and this the the female justices are are often interrupted, not only by their peers, but sometimes by the lawyers presenting in front of them. Yeah. So anyway, uh, can we all take a moment for yeah. our lady justices? Yeah. Thank you, ladies. So anyway, I, I, I again, I don't want to. Pr- purport myself to be somebody who's like an uh, an authority on privilege because I'm certainly not. I asked you what your experience was this week. And I feel like but I do feel like by cultivating my Instagram I've I've gained a greater understanding. Oh, I'm I'm glad you you reminded me of that because I do the images that we surround ourselves with are so powerful. So yeah. there's there's a lot we cannot control. The billboards as we're driving down the street, the commercials that come up, you know, just things things seep in. When you're walking through the grocery store, you are hit with so many different kinds of imagery. Yeah. But if you can curate things like your Instagram feed, yeah. who you follow on Twitter, even if you think you don't think they're going to be interesting, you don't think you're going to have anything in common or whatever, you can always follow somebody for a week and unfollow them if you don't. But I encourage or invite everybody to give other people a try. Some yeah. of some of the most enlightening, funny talented, smart, uplifting people I follow are not of my race, of my background, have totally different education levels than I do. And, and make me think differently because yeah. their hermeneutical lens, Ugh, it's just it. a joy, um, is so different from mine. It's such, it's such a, it is a privilege. I'm not using that word in the way yeah. that we were talking. It's a privilege for me to learn and see it yeah. from a different, see the world through a different lens. And you know what? Lisa and I will, on our Instagram, we're at 
Go Help Yourself podcast on Instagram, we will tag some of the accounts we follow that yes. we love yes. if you're interested and just want a quick list of like what we find fun and interesting. So, yeah. yeah. So, so thank you for work. having me do that. It was really yeah. nice for me to kind of like make the list. Yeah. I'm so, you're such a good sport. Um, so, you asked me a really wonderfully thought-provoking question yeah. last week, and I loved the candid nature of that. Mm-hmm. And so I have prepared a question for you. Oh. Are you ready? Uh, oui, madame. Great. Lisa. Yes. How do you define success? Jeez, Louise. <laughs> in what? <laughs> Just in general? You, yeah. How do you define it? Well, I'm going to answer this question not by answering this question, but in answering how I how I would approach it. Mm, oh. I'm getting real meta. Yeah. So I uh, used to come from a background of perfectionism, and um, it was really hard for me. And I, I've often said, I think I've said to you before, too, about part of the reason why self-help is triggering for me because I grew up in a teachable, teachable moment household. Mm-hmm. So I never really felt like I uh, achieved success because I could always go back and look at it differently and see how I could have done better. Mm-hmm. So for me, success equaled perfection. Right. But that's not realistic or helpful or useful, actually, because yeah. perfection is a myth. So um, I think how I would define success nowadays is by setting some like measurable specific goals for things um and then also remembering we're all gonna die someday so Mm -hmm. like did it get done and also kind of really um remembering what the targeted focus was right so especially in the industry that i'm in it's an art there's a little bit of a science and a lot of art so i can't judge my success on percentage of roles booked because so much of it is out of my control right so it's really like what do I have control over and did I do my best and I'm learning what Mm -hmm. that is and um I know when I could have done more I know when I could give more and I know when I don't feel like I can give more because I haven't been taking care of myself so I think I'm starting to see it less as like a um binary thing yeah and more as kind of like an interconnected system or not of of a lot of different things so it's a little bit achievement yeah it's a little bit of the effort yeah it's a l- level it's of a effort achievement a little bit of like how well did you set yourself up for success yeah you know like i have two dogs who are very special needs i like to call them <laughs> lisa's face just contorted in the most <laughs> wonderful way you know they're wrigley will be 15 this april wow. and zoe will be 12 of 13 this summer and you know they can't just be put anywhere do you know what i mean like i have to set them up for success but does going on a walk with zoe mean that she'll never bark at another dog because she's dog reactive no success for zoe means we did our best Mm -hmm. i wasn't distracted i saw when a dog was coming i managed to like use our positive reinforcement tools got it I can't define success for her or for me as like perfection because we'll never get it. Right. How does that sound? Oh God, does no, I sound like a babbling sounds, idiot? No, I I mean that's the point of like the candidness. This is why I really like these thought provoking questions. Yeah. And I hope we do a lot of them going Same. forward. I may or may not have started a running list. Oh God. Also, also, I've by the get way, to work. if any of, of you listening have <gasps> 
um, thought-provoking questions Please. that you think we should ask each Send other, to us. You, hit us up. We are go help yourself podcast at gmail.com or Slide into our DMs. Our DMs on the were at GHY podcast on Twitter. Yeah. We're at go help yourself podcast on Instagram. Please do. We yeah. I want like juicy juicy question. Yeah. So um, in case you're wondering. Yes, I need to ask you, how do you define success? Well, I will get to that okay. because I have actually put together a list of some very well-known, known to be successful people and how they define success. Dang. I know, girl. You are be prepared. That's right. It's called hosting. Thank you. Oops. I'm available for birthday parties. I need to get on it. No, you're doing an amazing True job. True fact, Misty used to work as Cinderella as a host on birthday kids' birthday parties. Um, It was at a place... Uh, called Lollipop Dream. You're welcome. And I may or may not have met uh, Nicole Kidman and Keith Urban while dressed head to toe as Cinderella. Thank you. Their eight year old daughter at the time was quite starstruck with me. I mean, who would? <laughs> who isn't? Um, okay, so first and foremost, uh, the Google definition when I typed in define success, mm-hmm. um, the literal definition of success is, according to Google, the accomplishment of an aim or purpose. The attainment of popularity or profit or a person or thing that achieves desired aims or attains prosperity. Yeah, that's what I said, right? Yeah, in so many words. <laughs> so uh, the everything I'm about to say is from Business Insider or CNBC. I tried to use a couple sources. So Warren Buffett, mm-hmm. he is known as a wildly successful investor and mm-hmm. one of the top three richest people in the world. Mm -hmm. The buffet. Yeah, he is a billionaire, but he does not use money as a measure of prosperity. No. For Buffett, the important metric is the relationships in his life. His measure of success comes down to one question. Do the people you care about love you back? Mm. Which I love. And he's he's amazing because I think he still lives in the same house in the same small neighborhood Omaha, that he's lived right? in. Yeah. And he's the what is the the King Midas of Omaha? What do they call him? I I have no idea. Well, all right. Midas. I'm sorry, but everybody you're gonna there's yeah. something of Omaha. So here's Bill Gates. Every year, who, by the way, Bill Gates is friends with Warren Buffett and has said how, like, Warren Buffett has helped shape his own idea of success. So every year, Bill Gates puts together an end-of-year assessment. He measures his success by asking uh, these three questions. One, did I devote enough time to my family? Two, did I learn enough new things? Three, did I develop new friendships and deepen old ones? Four. How much money did I make on compounded interest? In the last five minutes. Thank you. That's right. Five. Um, How many people are not going to kill me now that Clippy doesn't exist anymore? Oh, Clippy! (laughs) Um, Great name for a pet. Uh, No, Bill Gates also, he went on to say in that article that when he was in his 20s, his only year-end assessment question was like, did we help advance computer programming? Like, did we help make that dream a reality? And then as he got older and more successful, his his idea of success just completely evolved, which I think happens for a lot of us. At least it did for me. So yeah, I um, was all about computer science in my 20s. yes. I was all about did I make Stam, the, did I further the computing outrageous, dream? Truly, truly, truly <laughs> outrageous. Um, you can get our single on iTunes. <laughs> so uh, Ariana Huffington, who is founder of the Huffington Post, yes, she says, "quote." 
To live the lives we truly want and deserve and not just the lives we settle for, we need a third measure of success that goes beyond the two metrics of money and power. And this third measure consists of four pillars. Well-being, wisdom, wonder, and giving. Da-da-dang. Yeah, which doesn't feel like one more metric. It feels like four more metrics, but that's fine. Maya Angelou. Okay. Maya says, success is liking yourself, liking what you do, and liking how you do it. I know. I love her. Winston Churchill. He says, said. He said. Thank you. Success is going from failure to failure without losing enthusiasm. Yeah, I've seen that. I love that. And I'm so glad that he uses the word failure twice in his definition of success because I think so many people see success as this like one linear line or this like upshot of just rising, rising, rising. But really success is like up and down and up and down and up and down. And it's all these failures. You just fail better. Well, of like, I think Picasso painted like or created more than one work a day. Yeah. You know what I mean? But we only know about 50 of his. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, oh, yeah. 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 And it, I mean, it's it's just astounding. Um, Deepak Chopra mm-hmm. says that success is a matter of continual growth. He writes in his book, The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success, that success in life could be defined as the continued expansion of happiness and the progressive realization of worthy goals. Mm. So how does one go about defining success? Stephen Covey, who is an author, says the definition of success is deeply personal. Quote, if you carefully consider what you want to be said of you in the funeral experience, you will find your definition of success. She died how she lived. Full of burritos. And full of burritos. (laughs) (laughs) And... (laughs) She died in the middle of a podcast. Yeah, so to answer your question, Missy, how, that's beautiful. Thank you. But how do you how do you define success? When I was younger, it used to be all about accomplishment and money and mm-hmm. status and all those things. And for me at this current moment, my definition of success is being comfortable in the skin I'm in mm. and not feeling that I have to change for any room that I walk into. Can I revise my answer? <laughs> That was Lisa (laughs) speaking. Yeah. Sav, what's your definition of success? Oh, my God. This put me on the spot. Uh That's right. That's right. My Uh definition of success would be connecting more with the world and really just every day making sure that I'm present and connecting with the people around me. I sound like an asshole. You You two are so deep and like connected. And I was like, it's not about this, but it's kind of about this. No, you you don't, though, because it all harkens back to episode one. Mark Manson in The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck talks about what are the the values that we measure ourselves by? How do we measure our lives? Because if we if we can get better values or values we have more control over versus like yeah. you were saying, you can't control the percentage of auditions that you book. You can't control all these things. So so it sounds like you do have great values, which are, did I do my best? Did I put in all the effort that I could put in? Did I prepare? Thanks. You're welcome. Also, I measure success in burritos and farts. And with that, everyone. I'm successful. Successfully abundant. <laughs> so if any of you listening want to share your ideas yeah. of what uh, what your idea of success is, please 
you we will plug all the stuff in the outro. Listen, it's a fun song situation. Or maybe some of you want to just reinforce that my definition of success is perfectly fine. Please write in and validate Lisa. It's <laughs> it's enormously important. Life is abundant. Life everybody. is abundant. Bye. Go Help Yourself, a comedy self-help podcast to make life suck less, was produced by Misty Stinnett, Lisa Linky, and Matt Sav. Our theme song was also written by Matt Sav. He's amazing. <laughs> do you want to get in touch? You do. Email us at gohelpyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. And you know, you can also find us on the social medias, Instagram at gohelpyourselfpodcast, Twitter at podcast, or check out our website, gohelpyourselfpodcast.com. And if you liked our podcast, please subscribe, rate and review us on iTunes to help other people discover our show. It's really the least you can do. And why don't you tell all of your friends? Bye! Bye.